Geek Shock. Geek Shock. I want to eat your face. It could just be so yummy. I'd like to have your face in my tummy. How do you spell toque? Toque? As, as in the hobbit? A toque brute? As in the hat. T-U-U. Hey, Andy, there's a, there's a wonderful device. <laughs> R-L. Oh, yeah, it's my hand. You're that right. It has access to the entirety of human I, knowledge. I thought you guys would just know. I A M. I thought you guys were smart. You would just say no. That that's how how you spell that. But I have to I have to watch rewatch Incredibles too. I haven't seen it in ages. I I remember my reaction to it was. I want this is how all superhero films should be filmed from here on in. Yeah, <laughs> that what that was it. Was it's like, the perfect Fantastic Four movie. Mm. You're right. It really is. Mm-hmm. It really is. Yeah. And uh, and sadly, like around the time that that first Fantastic Four movie came out, and I was like, yeah. what? what is this? Yeah, it was what kind of this? funny <laughs> that it, it came out so close, and it really was like, oops. <laughs> I mean, they, they yeah. Be- before Disney bought Marvel. Welcome, folks, to Geek Shock number 443. I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Commander K. Fact check, Dandy. And we're here to talk week and geek. Gentlemen. Yes. Who? What geeky things you do this week? Hmm. I watched half of Jessica Jones, too. Ah, I forgot that was even on. I'm so backed up on all, all, I know. all shit. Everything that's ever come out, I'm backed up on it. You know what you need? You're so backed up. A pop culture laxative. <laughs> Get some pop culture fiber yes. in your right out. What wow. he needs to do is stop watching endless hours of YouTube videos on how to paint miniatures. Jeff's not wrong. And get back to watching people using and crane machines. Yes. Now, now I, I, I'm doing I can't, that too. I can't fault him for like the history of like theme park stuff because that fascinates me too. I do that a lot. I mean, I'm obsessed. <laughs> I'm obsessed with the uh, the exploring abandoned fill in the blank. Still watching Plush Time Wins. I haven't, I, I haven't seen you watch one of those in a while. I realized you were still watching them. Right now, for all of the month of June, they are putting up a video for each day of the week. So five videos a week this, this month. Oh, wow. So, yes, that is what I'm doing. Okay. And I did spend a little time painting a little more of the Pox Walkers. They're getting there. A few more colors added. I, 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 I got to ask, how are you able... To tolerate five days a week of hearing her voice, I can only tolerate it in in small doses. It's called she love. She has that and you squeaky shouldn't voice talk that way on the podcast. Right. Oh, oh, you're talking okay on on plush time wins. <laughs> I, I moved on to Warhammer. I'm like oh, the voice of the, the, <laughs> the Warhammer voice. The, the figures don't talk to the me. The Warhammer um, lady. She, she's they amusing talk to in Jeff though. Jeff, she's she's yes. amusing in small doses, but man. I couldn't imagine watching five episodes a week. I find her endearing, mm. if 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 a little high pitched. Uh, oh, high pitched is him putting it mildly. Nah, Jeffrey. nah, I'm horribly curious. My ex used to watch a, a sewing show. Okay, that was a woman who'd had a stroke, and so like half her face was frozen, and she was giving instructions with her this weird Andy mumble. Actually, now I think of it, so maybe that's where I picked up my mumble from was watching the stroke show. <laughs> 
Maybe you, but I, found, I maybe found that you, hard to listen to. Maybe you picked up a stroke somewhere along the way and didn't realize. <laughs> <laughs> so no, no, we've been stroking together. We've, we've uh, established that last week. Uh, so uh. we need to just play a lot of Shakespeare around the house, and that'll clear you right. up, right? Marbles in my mouth. Yeah. Marbles in your mouth? It's hard to bark Marbles oh, okay. house with all these Marvel marbles, marbles in, in my mouth. Marble, marble, Put all the Marvel comics in my mouth. <laughs> no. <laughs> I binged all of Jessica Jones, too. So uh, you've seen half of it. You've seen all of it. What do you think? Well, at the end when... God damn it. I've binged none of Jessica Jones. Yeah, you still haven't watched season one. I I just got to a stopping point. I tried. I really tried. How many episodes did you go? I got four episodes in, and I just was just not feeling it. All right. Mm. Yeah. And just, I, it just the man likes I don't what know. he likes. And, and you're the my my fellow Doctor Who fan here. Yes. So yeah, you know, Tennant. I love up. David Tennant. I love David Tennant. I thought if I probably knew more about the characters, the storyline with Jessica Jones, the detective agency that she runs. Does he show up by the fourth episode? Yes. Okay. He's he's. I in. can't believe that's a great performance. How can you sit? I mean, there maybe I've gotten further into it, but I, I know like the last thing i remember with him is when he buys the house from the guy where it like it seems like he could have just taken the house and he actually turns around and buys it from the guy and like but you have to be out by like tomorrow morning all right something like that and i different strokes to move the world i don't know i i I love to be some tenant but i just you know couldn't get into it the end of the world doesn't beat the beat of just one drum what might be right for you may not be right for some that's great that's great. So how does it compare to season one, Jelvin? I think it's, what I've seen so far is comparable. I think I've heard people say it's not as good, and I think they're wrong. I think it's right up there with it. Okay. I mean, Tenet's not there. There's, there's, right. no, there's no stand-up performance like Tenet, but it's still very, very enjoyable, very, very edgy, very, very, what the heck is going to happen next, you know? Okay. I think it's very good, but yeah, I don't, <clears throat> I don't think it's as great as the first one, but the first one was just great, so... I still think it's very, very good. All right. The ugliest supermodel. Tenet? What? No, I mean, it's, it's still amazingly good. It's oh, just, you okay, know. okay, oh. gotcha. <laughs> I, I Are you trying to say the least attractive supermodel in the room? I that, that, that analogy? I think what I said, but I said it much more succinctly. <laughs> <laughs> yep. What else to do, gentlemen? I watch a little more Sherlock. Ah. I've watched the first Irene Adler episode. Okay, so that was that was really really good. That was very very well written, very good television. I really like that. How many episodes are available of that? Twelve, I think. Something like that. Twelve or thirteen. I think it's thirteen. I think there's Maybe. three in every season, except for one has four. Four. Something like that. We looked at that because I got confused because there were some of those behind the scenes things that Netflix is including, right. and you were like, "No, don't do that," and hit me. I didn't hit you. I took so Duncan to the Millennium Fandom Bar. Duncan is old enough to go to Millennium Fandom as Bar a, now, as of Saturday. Oh my goodness! Yep. My word. Yep. The children. Yeah. Sh- of course, he know. ordered a glass of milk, mm-hmm. so it's not like he. We actually made him order a in group. Uh, we made him order something, and he ordered an in group we trust and didn't care for it. So ah. I ended up drinking most of it for him. You so, know, so still... he pulled he pulled a, a Eugene Tackleberry. Yeah, <laughs> he got went to a bar and had a glass of milk. Wow, mm. 
That is a I went deep dive on that one. That was pretty deep. I'm not going to explain that joke, so anybody that doesn't get it, ask your ask your older friends. <laughs> I, I, I don't know how geeky it is, but I, I drove out into the uh, dry lake bed and let a uh, dust devil roll over me. That was fun. Okay, that could have been dangerous, too. Yeah. How big was this dust devil? Big. Big, uh, big, big. Um, you know. Thousands of feet in the air. Oh, it was it was at least um, three or four hundred feet across. Seriously, yeah, a with a mean one. streak a mile yeah. wide. <laughs> so, what did that feel like? Uh, well, I was I was in a car, so it was like oh. I was being busted by the wind. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I know. He made it sound different. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, thought you I let it go right over me. That was amazing, yeah. really. Yeah, the bunker is 500 feet underground, yeah. but it went over me. I'm pretty sure I would not have wanted to be out of the car. That that, that right. would have been dangerous. Yeah, right. that's why I was yeah. like, I hope you were still in the car. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, they definitely rocked the car a bit, though. I'm supposed to meet with Jake tomorrow at Millennium Fandom Bar. Yeah, I'm going to be there, too. Cool. Yeah, We're going to play games like, like you were yeah. at dinner tonight. Uh, Jake yeah. is in Vegas, everybody. Family, so. you know. Family is a four-letter word, sir. Yes, it is. <laughs> I t- took my daughter to a half-hour neck massage, and it being a two-hour neck massage. That's a good neck massage. Yeah. I want to go to this half-hour place. Uh, Fetish downtown at the uh, arts district, out in, uh, out in um, emergency arts. All right. She's very, very good. She actually, uh, I had a... Pay mess- for a half-hour, get two? I love it. I, I, I just mi- I misunderstood what she was saying, how long does it take, but... Oh. Uh, she's a she's a very good uh, well, massage different. therapist. Okay, and it's fun being on her one of her Facebook friends because you get to see her occasionally rail against people who not occasionally all the time people are from out of town or hitting her up asking if she does full release massages. And <laughs> she'll, yeah. she'll she'll run the she'll she'll run the exchange on you. Know, she'll she'll take a screenshot of the exchange and post it. Oh wow! Yeah. <clears throat> you that'll, want, you want get happy you. ending. Mm. <laughs> Million Phantom Bar, best drink they have is the BB-8. That's why I tried to get him to it's order. Good. He went for the Groot, and Groot we tried, which is the Groot was good. What's in the Groot? Um, rum, pineapple. What else is in there? I like their twist on the Moscow Mule, whose name escapes me right now. Uh, it's the it's a big Lebowski thing. Um, I can't remember what it is though. It's not no, it's not the big Lebowski. I'm talking the Moscow Mule one because they have Mule isn't that Trump. God damn it. Wow. Uh, ow. Yeah. Um, uh, fitting. Fitting. But we're moving on. Yeah. <laughs> but there's one that's a James Bond themed martini, but it's basically. A martini. It's, it's not a straight. It's, it's similar to like a. Uh, uh, Jesus, my brain just stopped working here. Yeah. The BB-8 has rum chata in it. Yeah. It has. It's kind of like a Colorado Bulldog. Yeah. It's very it similar. A Colorado yeah. Bulldog is a white Russian with Coke in it. Yeah, and this one has rum chata, has the coke, and I think it has an orange liqueur as well, if I remember right. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, the BB-8 really is pretty tasty. good. Really tasty, really tasty. Anything else you do, gentlemen? Uh, um, Kirsten and I did a that yes. sneak preview that I talked about last week. Oh yeah, that apparently about- we can't talk too much about, <laughs> even yeah. though I thought it was funny. I was looking at their website, and the name of uh, event that we did is actually on there. No, oh, so you can oh. say so, the name of it. Uh, Nicodemus is the demon demon of evanishment. Right? Ooh, yeah. So how scary was it? I, do you have to tell me details? But was it scary? There's a lot of jump scares and a lot of mm. uh, like whoa moments because of the interactive vest. Like uh, for instance, 
The haptic vest they make you wear. You know, I, I, I'm not giving anything away by like there's a there's a part where like the thing reaches out with its hand and it make, ah. you, your vest starts buzzing, so it's like, oh, you got touched by blah blah blah. So, um, it was it was interesting. I wouldn't necessarily say it's something that I would go on again, even though uh, you know we're not supposed to divulge any of the specifics of it because apparently they're <laughs> apparently in the uh, the uh, uh, the release that we had to sign, which I scanned through pretty closely. I don't remember there being anything about an NDA, but they said that we signed an NDA. They did. So yeah. You can't comment. Uh, it. That's what you signed. They said earlier. no comment on social media. Blah blah blah. And I'm like, okay. Until we publicly announce it. Yeah. That's so. what you signed earlier. Knowing what I enjoy about horror, would I like it? I don't know. Huh. I think you might like elements of it. Okay. Yeah. I, I I felt I felt I, like I left wanting. Oh. At the end. Now you, but you would do the Star Wars one over again. Oh yeah. In okay. fact, uh, I That's think maybe I think maybe for Kirsten's birthday we have to take him. As a group, we have to go in there and do the thing together because I feel like the Star Wars one would be a lot more fun with more people. All oh, right, okay. Because um, I know that they said they usually like to have at least three or four people in each group, and I think maximum of like six to eight. Oh, all right. So when's your birthday, Kay? July second. Oh, okay. And yours is what this sixteenth. Sixteenth, right? Yeah. Mine was so. mine was Wednesday. Yours is what? Mine was Wednesday. Was Wednesday? Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. Yeah. He didn't respond to anybody. No, this is this is why you don't get a present from me because I never know when your birthday hits. Okay. <laughs> fine. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, I'm fine. No, you're not. You're not fooling <laughs> anyone. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I didn't yeah. know either. But then again, fine. It, presents coming. Jesus. Jesus. I called you Jesus. I'm so what good. more do you want? Yeah. I'm so See, for a pass. No better birthday than that. <laughs> uh, did I do anything else? Oh, I did get caught up on Westworld, though. That's, this Ooh, season I, is really interesting. I haven't done I'm that. I'm not that's sure a, that's where a, they're going with it. Yeah, that's a way of describing it, I guess. Yeah. But then again, I'm, I'm I, enjoying the episodes. I think the episodes are an interesting deep dive into the park, its origins, etc. Okay. But I'm just like, there's certain elements that they haven't revealed and i'm just like i'm not sure where they're going with this where they're going to wrap this up because there do seem to be two very distinct storylines going on throughout the season with a lot of really nice like individual stories that relate to the overall arcing storyline i'm just not sure where they're going with it that's part of the interesting, you know, well, the that, part of the fun of the ride. That first season was pretty cryptic up until yeah. the end. Yeah, they, they've revealed a lot more about the first season, but of course, in the same respect, they've answered, they've asked a whole new questions oh. now. So, as many questions as they seem to answer, there's ten more questions that get opened up, and you're like, oh, so wait, now what about blah 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 blah? <laughs> All right, so. So season two, you said, goes back into more of the history. Is it a continuation it's, of the story? Yeah, is it's it a prequel still, or both? Yeah, it's it's both. So okay. you, you're you learning more about the elements prior to the park opening. So uh, like something like 50 years in the past. Because like, um, now that you know where the quote-unquote established present is, there are storylines that take place that you're like, 
is this the past, the future? And then you finally realize, oh, okay, so this is prior to the park opening. This is right after the park opened. I just found out we could watch it on your TV recently, but I've been catching up with Jessica <laughs> Jones. I cannot find the, bread, the menus on the on Millennium Fandom Bar website, so that's, oh, that's something we'll have to do uh, tomorrow is get a picture of that. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. right. Post of the lair. And I still need to see Crawl. Crawl. Wow. Why? Why? Because I haven't seen it. Okay. It's one of those 80s movies I still haven't seen. Okay. It, it, your, your mileage. <laughs> I love it. I love that's responsible. Yeah, if, if you didn't care for, uh, for uh, Last Starfighter, Crow is going to kill you. <laughs> I played the shit out of the 2600 game. Sure, yeah. Do you remember that being good? No. It was okay, yeah, yeah. No, that was a terrible, was terrible a, game. It was about the level. Of, I remember loving the movie when I was, what, 14 or whatever when it came out, but uh, it, it, it's dumb. Yeah, I'm not saying I am watching it, mm. but I still haven't seen it. I'm just just adding to the things in my main mind that I've kind of ramped up. Right. I've been listening to the 80s All Over podcast I mentioned a few times where they are reviewing all of the movies of the 80s in order that they came out. Interesting. Oh, yeah. So, and that's a fantastic and they this week they got to crawl. And so it, it's all, in all my of the brain. nerd movies or all of the movies in general. All movies in general. They're skipping nothing. Wow. <laughs> If, wow! If, if it was a foreign release in the United States, they cover it. That's insane! Wow, that's so. I think I think they're up to July. No, they just released August of 1983. And right. They started at January 80. So it, each each podcast is one month. There, that's some deep dive in obscurity, there, uh, Andy. It's pretty impressive. To... Yeah. So, Andy, using my internet search powers, I have the Millennium Far drink. Good. Let's fandom lay it out for me. Menu. Millennium so, Far drinks. So the dude is the one that you were referencing, <laughs> That's it. Todd, but the dude is Kahlua Vodka Rum Chata Half and Half. The BB-8 is still a Vanilla Vodka Rum Chata Butterscotch Liqueur and Coke. Yes. So you're, you're right. It is kind of the twist on the uh, Colorado Bulldog. The drink that I was trying to remember is not listed on here for some reason. Uh, that's their version of the... Um, James Bond thing? Well, no, no. The that's one that I'm the James Bond one is called the License to Kill. That's oh. it's a martini style drink. It's vodka, raspberry liqueur, triple sec, cranberry, lemon twist. So it's very similar to. Um, uh, Don't look at me for that. Cosmopolitan. Thank you. God, my brain. Like I see the damn name in my head, and I couldn't say it. There's a hotel in town. <laughs> yes, it's a sex you. in the city. That's what I call it. There that's you the, go. That hotel, yeah. But there's that's another one that I I was going to try and never got a chance to try called the Columbo, which is uh, sweet tea vodka, Sailor Jerry's peach schnapps, or Sh- Sailor Jerry's rum, peach schnapps, and lemonade, which I thought sounded interesting, I tried but I never col- got to I do that I think I tried one. the Columbo, I've, I've and I it. tried the BB-8, and I wasn't too happy. Yeah, the Columbo tastes like a dirty raincoat. <laughs> I, did, I did like the BB-8 myself. Um, no, it's fine. I've had, yeah, I've had those three. I've had the Dude, I've had the License to Kill, I've had the BB-8. I've not had the in-group we trust which is Bacardi, Malibu rum, Midori, and Sprite. It's too simple. Plus, I'm there's, not a fan of Midori. There's grapefruit juice in there now, too. They may have changed the menu a little. Yeah. may have. But not grapefruit, they, orange juice. Their, their twist on Pineapp- the... Uh, pineapple. Pineapple. This is pineapple. I'm trying to remember what was all in the uh, the one that I'm thinking of that I had, because I had a few of them on the they, Star they, Trek night, but it was... Uh, I mean, it was it was ginger beer. It was like raspberry vodka, Chocolate and there were a couple liqueur. of couple of other little things in there. But. Oh, Everclear, Jaeger, Everclear. This Saturday, it is uh, 
John Luke Picard's birthday at Money Venom Bar, and it's also going to be. Is it going to be there? No, but Biggs oh. is going to be there. We're going to celebrate oh. Biggs' birthday there. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I just saw an article where Patrick Stewart was talking about like in the last seven months, work has dried up. What? Yeah, he, he hasn't, he hasn't got, gotten any roles. Gotten a call, a single call for a role or anything. Oh wow! Mm. Time to go back to Shakespeare, I guess. Wow. But in the '80s All Over podcast, they brought up another movie I forgot existed. Mm-hmm. I knew it as a kid as Spaceship. Spaceship. And it was originally released under the name The Alien Wasn't Nice, I think is the title of it. Wow. But it was one of those airplane knockoffs. And this one was post-ET, so it made fun of all the alien movies. I have no memory of this at all. Right. And Leslie Nielsen was in it. Really? Yeah. Really? And the uh, is it, ac- and the actress that was in Laverne and Shirley, the the other one, not uh, Cindy Williams. Yes, yeah, Cindy the one, Williams, the one that's in performing in town still. Yeah, she's she's she started. She's in, she's here in menopause, I believe. Oh, is she? Menopause of musical. I had no idea she was in that. Yeah. I remember watching it as a kid. It's a musical. Oh, that, and I remember sure. it most Why for not? the the alien when they finally get it to translate. It sings a song called "I Want to Eat Your Face." In a very crooner style, huh. I and I forgot it existed. And uh, apparently, according to the the two gentlemen, it wasn't very good. No, it sounds uh, terrible. But I, I really want to see it now. Yes, me too. Just to rewatch that thing f- that I liked as a kid. I saw it probably once at a friend's house on HBO. Hmm. So yeah, so I got to find Spaceship. I've checked Netflix. They don't even have it on disc. Did you check YouTube? Uh, no, I haven't. That's probably going to be the next place yeah. I, I stop since I'm there. Anyway, I, like I couldn't find. I got a, a Burt Reynolds movie bug at my butt one, and, and uh, that's where a lot of the Burt Reynolds movies are now. Is on YouTube. Although apparently you can petition Netflix for movies you want to see. Really? And so I there's a, you, on their website deep in a deep dive area of it. You can request from Netflix movies that you, you want to watch. They like, we can't promise anything because of licenses or whatever, but I'm like, I'll bet the spaceship license is really, really easy to get. So I'm going to suggest that All one. All right. Let's see a groundswell of spaceship movie, uh, requests on spaceship. Netflix. I think, wait, what's this go? What the- spaceship. It's uh, not from one place. It's coming from all over the place. Why are we getting spaceship requests? What happened? I am surprised Jeff that you have not seen spaceship. Being that you're the fan of the, yeah, I know. the airplane style films, Leslie Nielsen right. in co- that co- comedy style. It's- I might have seen it. It's just not striking a chord with me right now. Sometimes I have to watch a couple minutes of something, and then I'll go, wait a minute, I have seen this, and then it'll it'll refresh my memory. In but- post-Naked Gun blow-up, right. it was re-released to a home sure. theater as Naked Space. Okay. So maybe that's what I need to look up. The creature wasn't nice. The creature wasn't nice. Nineteen eighty-three. Yeah, hmm. the creature wasn't nice. Uh, written and directed by the same guy that wrote the Nudie musical, so he's he's got chops in musical movies. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure I would agree right with word? that statement. Is chops the word I'm looking for. <laughs> and I remembered the the drink I was thinking of uh, that I had was called the Deadpool Mule. Oh, oh, that yeah, that was, I think that was a special it's, for uh, when the movie came out. Yeah, uh, it's uh, it's vodka, uh, ginger beer, razzmatazz, cranberry juice, lime juice, fresh squeezes of lime. So 
very similar to a sounds refreshing yeah it was it was so good i had like four or five of them that night at the trek party i just was like ah my drink's empty time to get a new one so i was having so much fun well i look forward to tomorrow evening having one of these drinks there you go. it will probably be a bb8 probably anything else you do gentlemen no can't Ooh. think of anything oh, good we're, we're starting early with some news i might get through no. some shit <laughs> oh i'm excited are you talking literally getting through some shit there's or? some shit okay news you don't give a shit about yay 25 minutes in wow we're gonna get through some news we're gonna maybe even get some red light green light wow you're excited i only printed out eight pages of the 10 i had because i'm like there's no way we're gonna get to this oh wow Come on, guys. Let's finish it's, this it's off. It's E3 week. It's, there's going to be a ton of, moon, ton of news. There's oh, that. yeah. That's, did, you, did you watch that yesterday? Uh, they were watching it while I was working. Okay. What were they watching? We're, we're only like two days into this thing, too. Yeah. The uh, e, uh, an E3 thing on Twitch. Oh, you're not sure which one, though? Uh, Bethesda. Oh, okay. I, that's I think, the one I... I, think, I think it was a new one on uh, the new... Um, uh, um, uh, Fallout? Yes, thank you. Fallout Fall 76. That's a piece yes. of it. Okay, that we is something it. I did do yesterday, and part of the reason why I was on YouTube, because I was watching IGN's live coverage of these things. Right. So I watched the Xbox one live, and I watched the Bethesda one live, and watched a lot of crane games in the middle of and painting demos between the two. So that's, that's a big part of why I was on YouTube yesterday. So, But before we get into that, those you don't give a shit about... Jared Leto has reportedly agreed with Warner Brothers to reprise his take on the role for a, of the Joker for a newly announced standalone Joker movie. Mm. Variety reports that Leto will both executive produce and star in the still-untitled film, expanding on the character he first brought to the screen with the David Ayer-directed Suicide Squad. The studio revealed late last year that it's also working on a standalone film for Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn, with a plot that appears to be coalescing around birds of prey. Plot and timeline details on Leto's Joker movie are still unknown, as is the production and release sequence of DC's growing roster of movie projects. Leto's character was famously light on screen time when Suicide Squad hit the theaters in 2016. Among the various upcoming projects where the Joker could appear... Leto's film seems to be uh, to complement rather than replace the studio's announced Joker origin movie reportedly set to star Joaquin Phoenix, a project overseen by Todd Phillips and Martin Scorsese. Rather, the report states, Phillips' film would fall under a new origins banner, allowing for ample character crossover outside the current DC Extended Universe. Hmm. I know. We're doing the, Elseworlds already? <laughs> yeah, kind of, I guess. Yikes. Uh, I know Leto's Joker did not thrill you, Jeff. I, I, it's not that I, I'm trying to think how to put it. I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it. It was just not my favorite portrayal of the Joker, cinematically speaking. It's definitely its own thing. It's its, its own thing. I saw what they were trying to do. They were trying to establish their own version of the Joker for the extended universe. And I have nothing against Jared Leto. I think he's a fine actor. It depends on the role that he's in. I think he went a little too method with this, perhaps. Oh, from the reports of the set? Just, just from... Because it just... So, so I don't know. It was not my you don't my like favorite. his role. It's like you don't look like the fact that he's being a jerk when he was doing it? So no. That, behind that's the scenes the, hatred? No, no, I just... I, I was not particularly pleased with his... His... his 
take on the Joker, I guess is the best way to put it. Because it wasn't that he was a bad actor. I just don't think the characterization of the Joker fit for me. And that's really all I could say about it. To capitalize on the insanity of Joker, they should never use the same actor twice. Oh, that's interesting. That's fun. Every single time they make one, it should be a different actor. That's really interesting. That's my declaration. I kind of dig that idea. Fans would hate it, but I love it. (laughs) (laughs) I I think now that... I've had some time to think about it. I think another part of the the characterization of the Joker in this in the Suicide and don't get me wrong, I actually really liked Suicide Squad. I had a lot of fun with that. Really? Movie. Yeah. Okay, I had a lot of fun with that movie. I think the way that they decided to take the Joker and the Harley Quinn characters in the movie is so far removed from the comic and I think think that they were trying to do something a little different with the joker because in the comic the joker could care less about harley yes as long as she is doing what he wants her to do so you know she's absolutely in love with him he could care less about her either way because ultimately the joker cares about one thing himself in the movie there's a scene where he pushes her into the, or gets her to jump into the vat to to show her dedication to him. The comic book version of the Joker would just sit there, sit back and watch it happen. Now, the cinematic version of the Joker by Jared Leto, he dived in to save her. Mm -hmm. And there are elements throughout the rest of the film where he's like, I would do anything for you, baby, and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no. They're trying to go for a weird... The Joker would not do anything for in fact uses her repeatedly over and over again and she still comes back to him now later on in the comics she finally wises up to it says you know enough's enough you're damaged i'm damaged we can't be together you know i know you don't care about me blah 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 and she goes off on her own path but as far as this cinematic version of the joker so not uh, so much the joker a whole new character i think they were trying to to soften the Joker up a little bit based on I think how that, abusive he is mentally and physically to Harley, and they wanted to try to there may be step some, back from that there since may be, it's appealing to a wider audience. Maybe some movies. of that. There may be some trying just to make the characters more interesting, more equal, so that they're it's can possible each other better. It's possible. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. It's an interesting take, but yeah, yeah. Um, you couldn't care less, not could care less. Carry on. <laughs> oh, listen to you. That's when it bugs me. I don't know. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. I could care less myself. <laughs> Whatever people want to say. He means that. Irregardless. <laughs> Irregardless. <laughs> that's that's one that drives me crazy. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, yeah, I guess, uh, it, I mean, like most movies I've only seen once, it's starting to disappear into the ether of my memory. But, but not spaceship. But not, well, <laughs> spaceship. Um, well, that ether, there's just a little bit there. That's all I got. I don't know anything about spaceship anymore except no, that I, one song. I just looked it up on Wikipedia, and it sounds even worse than it said you described it, and I still want to see it. Yeah. Yeah, it's... that. That's that's what that show does. It, it makes me want to see movies I never thought I'd want that's, to see. That's another podcast I need to listen to, and I don't have time to. It's about the only one I listen to anymore, aside from ours all the time. I listen to ours. Of yeah, course. You have to. Well, I have to. I have to edit it. Yeah. Aw. 
But yeah, Joker to me in that movie seemed more of a really mean gang leader. Sure. Than, yeah. Than somebody that's fallen prey to some sort of madness. But again, he wasn't in it much, so. And I hate to go back to Dark Knight. One person's take on the Joker is obviously going to be different than another, but they really played up with Heath Ledger's Joker the the fact that he just really was psychotic. Like he literally was crazy and did not care if he got hurt or not. I mean, the scene where he's going head to head with Batman on the bat pod, Batman is shooting at him and he's just standing there walking directly into the line of fire shooting back is is just one example of how it's like he just doesn't care. Yeah. It yeah, I I think you're right. It didn't feel like the Joker in Suicide Squad was that psychotic, unpredictable you just don't know where he's going to go next. He just, yeah, just seemed like a really hardcore gang leader that is going to do some pretty shitty things to show people that he's the boss mm-hmm. rather than just, I'm completely psycho. You don't know what I'm going to do at any given moment. All right. But again, that's the, that's the way he decided to take the, take the, the character. I mean, that's his creative choice. I sure. just, it's, it wasn't my favorite. All 117 minutes of the creature wasn't nice. It appears to be on YouTube. Really? Really? Yes. Okay. Well, now I'm gonna have well, to here's, watch that. Okay. After. Here's the thing that I learned from the podcast. We're going back to spaceship. Everyone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the creature wasn't nice. Was the first iteration. That is kind of the director's cut of this movie. I've never seen that version. Okay. Of it. It went out on re- limited release. It got kind of middling reviews. The producers kind of panicked. And re-edited the whole thing. And so Spaceship, that version, is they shot a whole bunch of new stuff. And apparently it's just a jumbled mess. Like stuff that was supposed to be at the beginning is at toward the middle. And and it's just everywhere. So Mm. I want to see both versions. Okay. I want both versions. Spaceship, Naked Space, The Creature Wasn't Nice. I got to see it all. All right. You'll have to send me that link, because all I'm finding are the trailers. I'm not finding the actual movie. Now, is it one that's out there for free, or is it you have to rent it from YouTube? I'm clicking on it. I have the volume down. <laughs> Appreciated. Thank you. Thank you, not Paul. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's running. Naked, naked Space, space oh, it says. It's Naked Space. So that's if it's Naked Space, it's Spaceship. Here, let me so see So that's, that's the second. version that I saw. Like I said... Creature Wasn't Nice was edited into Spaceship. Spaceship was later renamed Naked Space after Leslie Nielsen took off with Naked Gun. Uh, That's the line. So Leslie Nielsen's in it. Yes. (laughs) I like how he just ignored me. Yeah. He just went, eh, fuck it. Fuck you, Kirsten. No, you don't give a shit about. I didn't grow in this time either. Just, I'm just. I think I've, you've beaten me down with that. Oh, no, you were it. hunting for pokeballs. Yeah, that's that's a fine point. I have not been hunting for pokeballs during the podcast. Before the podcast, yes. <laughs> I was. I was probably hunting for naked space. If you know what I mean. Vision <laughs> <laughs> don't give a shit about DC has been teasing bits and pieces of its upcoming digital platform for a while. In a recent appearance on the James Bonding podcast, uh, DC Entertainment Community Manager Danny Snow revealed the company is hoping to debut the new platform sometime this summer. Tentatively, she seemed to suggest, by the end of August. Quote, 
We're about to launch, I think, late August, our DC digital platform, which will be a hub for all things DC. Said Snow, there will be digital movies, TV shows that you can watch streaming. We're going to have a lot of comics on there. So there's going to be a lot of good stuff on there, unquote. That's something I haven't been able to find. Wait. Wahoo, This is the digital streaming platform of DC. And there'll be comics on there. DC All Access. Thank you. That's what she says here. There'll be a lot of comics on there. That's what she says? God damn it. <laughs> you said it. <laughs> I just repeated it. Yes, but if you know what I mean. No goddamn innuendo to it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It's hard to find something you can't add. That's what she said to and not make it innuendo. But I think that was one. <laughs> Snow said DC is in the final stages of shoring up the rights to its extensive back catalog. And that will all appear at DC Digital alongside four new original shows currently known in development. Based on DC's Teen Titans comics, Titans will place Robin at the head of DC's extensive stable of superheroes during their up-and-coming phase for a 13-episode first-season run. Live action? Why? Uh, that one, I'm not sure. I'm not sure on that one. Uh, Swamp Thing will be an hour-long live-action drama set in the rural bayous of Louisiana following CDC researcher Abby Arcane back in her childhood home to chase down the mystery behind a new swamp-borne virus. And there's also a new animated half-hour comedy based on Harley Quinn in the works, with the first season set to span about 26 episodes. And lastly, DC Digital will become the new home of Young Justice Outsiders, which had gathered a devoted fan following before Cartoon Network pulled the show after two seasons. Young Justice Outsiders will hit the platform right at the start of an all-new Season 3, picking up where things had left off. I hope they'd, they've they got to be borrowing very heavily in the Alan Moore run to, of Swamp Thing. I honestly don't know. Because uh, I think uh, Anzello did it, did it for a while, too, didn't he? I don't know, but the the Alan Moore stuff is is oh, that's is, that, that's the old iconic stuff. Yeah, that's, that's well, <laughs> it's yeah, it's, it's the stuff that turned it from being just something weird that somebody created to something people actually had some had some depth to it. Yeah, yeah. I hope they do the Fred Hembeck run. <laughs> Fred Hem, the uh, the uh, what was it, Ba or yeah, Ba Hembeck. That's right. That was his uh, his book. Is that earlier than the? No, he was. It was. It was. It was a. It was a Bigfoot comic uh, thing. It was a. Uh, uh, I don't know either, Todd. I was just bullshitting, but then you're not helping, Kurt. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> I never Fred help. Hem- Fred Hembeck was a, a guy. That I'm an took, American uh, voter. God damn it! There you go. <laughs> Vote tomorrow. Um, Fred Hembeck was a. Uh, um, if you're in Nevada, or any other state that has an. Uh, oh, is primary, it also, a, a lot of states have no, primaries because okay. I know there's. Yeah. All over the place. Um, oh, God damn it. Okay. None of that. He drew the characters with the swirls on their knees. That's the okay. One. It was oh. a very, very weird cartoony thing. It was parody comic stuff, but he, he was using he was using established characters. So he was actually getting he was doing DC humor books. Like like what the like, Okay. Like that. Uh, I used to love the what the yeah. not brand X. Yes, not brand X. <laughs> so that's what I haven't gotten the haven't figured out yet because if subscribing to this digital streaming service also gives you access to DC comic back catalog issues, mm-hmm. I'm a little more interested. Which you would read on the TV? I, well, if you have that 
subscription, I can almost guarantee that there is an app to go along with it, and you probably read it in that app. Okay. So you can watch the shows of the app, or you can read comic books. Again, this is me just speculating here. Right. But that's what I would certainly like to see in this, and that would certainly drive some... Because the Marvel Digital seems to be doing pretty good, mm-hmm. for, and that's just comic books. You have a light on the end of your uh, your plug for your phone? That's that's actually pretty cool. Well, you know, Kirsten, he's a, he's a techie, yeah. through and through. Oh, he's a trekkie. What's really oh. funny about that light... Uh-oh. I didn't know it was there for like a month. Oh, really? <laughs> and I kept thinking, Jesus Christ, this thing is fucking sparking. <laughs> I, I can't get a new phone, but I can't. I got to use this charger, but I, oh, fuck, fuck. And it just terrified me. And then at one point, I was just holding it, and I, w- I hadn't even made contact, and the light went off, and I went, huh. There's a light? <laughs> mm, and it is useful. It's actually incredibly useful. Man, I wish I'd experienced that. That was um, <laughs> so much fun to watch over a month. <laughs> Weekend Geek! Yay! Weekend Geek. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. So a little, uh, What'd you do? A little, little petty more over there for you, man. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff that has happened at E3 thus far. Uh, again, like I said, I, I tried to watch what I could yesterday. There was a few uh, presentations today. There was one on Saturday that I'd missed. So I, I tried to go through what each one of those presentations put forward in a very large paragraph. This this is probably not video worthy. But, yeah, I don't think but, so. But, but, right. but, but enjoy yourself. No, That's yeah. what she said. <laughs> <laughs> Episode title. <laughs> Hardly. <laughs> title of your sex tape. Over my dead goddamn body. That's what she said. <laughs> the, el- <laughs> the Electronic Entertainment Expo E3 is here. Headline center on upcoming releases, changes to console hardware and services, and surprise announcements. Here's a rundown of what's been shown so far. The event got started with a conference by Electronic Arts. EA wasn't showing much of anything new. Most of its presentation focused on two shooters. The first, Battlefield Five, which follows up on EA DICE's 2016 World War One set Battlefield One by bringing the series back to World War II, which is where Battlefield kind of began. In a similar vein, time was given to Anthem, the latest from Mass Effect and Dragon Age creator BioWare, Uh, The first proper trailer for Anthem showed a swirl of science fiction robotic suits, giant fantasy monsters, hints of a strange otherworldly theology. And Ayn Rand. I'm bored. Can you throw out some hand gestures and some catchphrases? What? What? Movie Bob. (laughs) He's referencing that. Oh, Okay. Wow. Thank you, you, Jeff. And you thought you got obscure with your milk reference earlier. Milk! (laughs) Tagline? The first proper trailer for Anthem showed. uh, I did that part already. Jesus Christ. I'm I'm already losing my place. Thank you. Thank you. I win. (laughs) We all lose. Through. Though it, fe- it features cooperative play, similar to the Destiny series of online shooters, Anthem looks like it's retained a little of Bioware's usual focus on character relationships and dialogue-heavy storytelling. Apart from these, EA spent 
time showing off updates to its sports games, followed by iterative mold of both Battlefield V and Anthem. Microsoft was up next, hosting a Sunday afternoon conference centering on games for its Xbox One, <laughs> Xbox One console and Windows 10 computers. Microsoft mostly showed off sequels to well-known series. Old favorites like Halo and Gears of War will receive new entries in the near future. There will also be a third Metro and a fifth Devil May Cry game, a third Crackdown, and another Forza racing game, a sequel to a near-future political paranoia shooter, The Division, a second Dying Light, which actually makes me very happy. Dying Light was one of my favorite games of this generation. Wasn't so hot on the division. I'm surprised I, oh, it's getting a sequel. Uh, yeah, I wasn't either. And I mean, Tom Clancy's the division. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a standard MMO. It felt like Destiny, but in the streets of yeah, somewhat post-apocalyptic New York. So it was in the sequel called Multiplication. The fourth just cause, and expansions to existing games like Cuphead and Sea of Thieves. CD Projekt Red, the studio behind the Witcher series of role-playing games, showed off their Cyberpunk 2077, which trades swords and sorcery fantasy for grimly neon-dyed mohawks and retro-futurist DOS prompts. How does one grimly die on mohawk? Oh, you got to see this to believe it. Okay. No, the, uh, <laughs> the preview looks really good for this game. Okay. And given CD Projekt Red's track record thus far, I'm willing to give about anything they put out a shot. This is the angriest trade of Chartreuse. It is. It's more fuchsia, really. Well, fuchsia is like naturally angry. That's that's not even hard to do. Yeah. Uh, I'm struck and reminded my only attempt at making a comic book in high school with a friend. Mm-hmm. The, the fuchsia Avenger? Uh, no, the uh, bad guy was a, a cloud called Fuchsia Death. Mm-hmm. So it's our take on the Black Death because we were really funny at that age. Because the future is now. Oh God! From software, I'm breaking Kirsten too. <laughs> oh, you're so proud. I am. It's hard to break Kirsten. <laughs> this doesn't look like a break of Kirsten at all. This is this is Kirsten relaxed. Kirsten is fully reclined and lazy <laughs> yeah, boy. That's, exactly. That's how much he's just ignoring you right now. He's Andy. ignoring everything. <laughs> he's gone into like cat mode. Uh, from software, kit mode, kit mode, kit mode. From software, the team best known for the Dark Soul series debuted an action game called Sekiro: Shadows Die Twice. Its fantasy take on feudal Japan, filled with uh, the typical disgusting monsters you'd expect from the studio. Uh, later on the evening, Bethesda continued in Microsoft and EA's footsteps with a show devoted mainly to sequels. Uh, it had the post-apocalyptic Rage 2 with its Mad Max-like setting, a sequel to the 2016 Doom called Doom Eternal, and another Wolfenstein sequel, a new entry to Fallout called Fallout 76, which emphasizes recent design trends, always online world, reminiscent of Anthem, which is reminiscent of Destiny, and nothing really else except for updates to existing games, an Elder Scrolls phone game, and a quick shot of a nebulously defined project called Starfield, which is... That's a Starfield? Set in space. Yeah. yeah, it was a planet with a Starfield, and then it looks like a space station, and that was it. Mm. But it is Bethesda. This is the one that made Elder Scrolls, the Fallout series, now tackling space. And it's going to be out for the next generation, not this one. 
And there was also a title card for Elder Scrolls Six. All right. Fallout 76 is the one game that's really caught my attention thus far because, hello, Fallout. I love the series. Right. This is Fallout Survival uh, online game, which I'm not so keen on. You think it's not going to be as much like the others? I don't, because it's going to be an always-on it, they said it's not going to be like hundreds of people in your in the game. Mm-hmm. It's going to be like twelve. Okay. So all I know is online survival games is just going to break break my Fallout experience. Mm. It's. I mean, I'll, I'll try it out. I'll, I'll, I'll give it a shot. It takes place as as. Uh, it's called Fallout 76 because Vault 76 is was the first vault to open up to the world after the bombs went off. Mm-hmm. It was the first to repopulate the the earth as it were. It takes place in West Virginia. And as they say you can play it alone, but it's going to be really hard if you do and that just kind of takes me back to oh this is going to be Destiny Division all that kind of stuff over again. I don't mind co-op games as long as they enhance the experience but when it's nearly a requirement and that's just it that bothers me because i want to be able to play alone and if somebody says oh hey i'm available you want to you know game online a little bit sure why not bring them in but yeah when you you have to have somebody with you that to me is a less enjoyable experience the problem right now is it's not really defined what they mean so there's still a lot of speculation but I know there's going to be plenty of PvP, and right. if I'm playing with people I don't know, it's just going to be sniped at. That's, well, even that's what these survival games are: people taking things from each other. Even Wolfenstein, uh, the new game they announced was is they announced as co-op, which right. I'm like, ah, is it going to? You have to play co-op, or is it just you can play co-op and it'll be better? That's that's where I'm like, mm, I don't know. I, I'm hoping for option B. Yeah, it won't just be sniping. We'll be teabagging too. <laughs> of course, of course, that's what that's going to happen. So uh, it it comes out this November. So in typical Bethesda announcement fashion, it's coming out pretty quick. Mm-hmm. So I'll try it out then. They do tend to wait until the game is nearly complete before they even announce it, and then they're like, "Oh, and guess what? It's going to be available this fall." Oh, really? <laughs> so I was really excited because like like oh new Fallout game, and then once the full announcement went, I'm like oh shit, because they said it's yeah. huge. It's four times as large as Fallout. 4. Huge. It's gonna be huge. God damn it, you're hurting me now. That's what she said. You're Reason. all hurting me. <laughs> this is hurt Torgo Day. It's is always it, it's always it, it's always it every week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's become our it's become our favorite game. I'm, I'm glad it's the only game in town. <laughs> The the Torment Torgo podcast. Look, <laughs> Matt isn't here, so we can't give him shit about Canada like, and burning burning Washington. And it's not so here. we got to give you some shit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's also not here for them to go off on a twenty minute uh, tirade about uh, you know that thing uh, about what thing about, about the thing? Golden what Knights. Thing? The thing that I'm not going to talk about the Golden Knights. You yeah, can no. go on, on about that sports, all you want. Sports, nope. sports, sports. Warhammer, I'm not going to talk about Warhammer. Yeah. God damn it, Kirsten. Oh, that, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, we talked about paint yeah. and figs. We right. The, yeah, we already touched on it. Yeah. See, we didn't get crazy. 
It's because uh, Matt's not here. Just... Although ha- I have added some Necrons, so I'm starting a Necron army now. Oh, yeah. So it's awesome. It's going to be great. All right, moving on, moving on. You're going to make Warhammer great again? <laughs> it's already great. <laughs> Square Enix began Monday's conferences with a short one of their own. Over a half hour of pre-recorded video, viewers were shown vi- uh, footage of more sequels, including this autumn's Shadow of the Tomb Raider, a new entry in the long-running Dragon Quest, and Kingdom Hearts series, which a lot of people are looking forward to. Uh, more footage of the upcoming Octopath Traveler uh, throwback role-playing game. Sorry, what's that called? Octopath Traveler. This is Square Enix, so they get a little weird. Okay. Yes, they do. And, uh, yeah, well, I, I lost my place again. Look up the word Octothorpe. Oh, and, of course, over to, over the top destruction simulator Just Cause 4. In new IP, the publisher did show off Babylon's Fall, a hazily Judeo-Christian-inflected take on a Dark Knights and Dragons fantasy being created by Platinum Games, a studio who's known for action games like Bayonetta and Nier Automata. And later in the day, international developer publisher Ubisoft, that's the one behind Assassin's Creed, Splinter Cell, and Far Cry, continued the trend of showing off a whole lot of updates and expansions for existing games. Many of these were expected. A, a Chinese history spinoff for its Brawler for Honor, uh, news on tactical shooter Rainbow Six's Siege, and racing game The Crew 2. Uh, more details on the ancient Greece set Assassin's Creed Odyssey, and footage of Skull and Bones, a multiplayer pirate game about naval warfare. Which I have to hand it to Ubisoft, because in Assassin's Creed Black Flag... Oh, yeah, you had a blast with that. that the stuff with the pirate ships, that naval <laughs> battle stuff, was one of the best moments, oh, you not, guys, not only of that game, but of the series. You guys have no idea. He spent a good, what, six hours one time just sailing around the map. He didn't even do any landfall stuff. It was literally like naval battles, bombarding um, uh, encampments on the shore, That stuff et cetera. was great. So yeah. if, if they took that and created a game out of it, I am down. The first I, time I, I took the controls of Grand Theft Auto Five, I think, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever the one that's, that's basically L.A. I, San I, Andreas? I think it's Five, yeah. Grand Theft uh, Auto San Andreas. Yeah, uh, I the, I'll, the first thing well, the first thing I did was get on a jet ski and drive around the island, and check the island out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in fact, you know, it's funny. Uh, a friend of mine uh, never played an Assassin's Creed game prior to Black Flag. Played Black Flag like you for hours. Like his his thing was to get um, some rum, some cracking rum. Oh, pour yes. himself a glass, yes. and then have naval battles. That was his thing. He's like, I'm gonna go drink some rum, and I'm gonna go shoot some some ships. Now, the only <laughs> Assassin's Creed I've played is the worst one, apparently the third one. I think it is the one that's uh, in the in the U.S. The, yes, the colonial times. Yeah, and the naval battles on that, I don't remember being that great. No, they, uh, they did a whole yeah different thing with yeah. that one. Yeah, that one's not so good. No. Uh, one of the cool things about Black Flag, though, is when you did go to a shore, some of the things that you could find as collectibles were new sea shanties for your crew to sing. Oh, Ooh, right. Yeah, fun. I remember you showed me that. So you could, you'd go to shore, you go to these towns, you'd find bits and pieces of the sea shanty, you'd put them together, and then you'd go back to your ship, and they learned a whole new shanty they would sing. It was great. Nice. 
not just the standard yo ho ho to pirate. No, they were for proper me. classic real shanties. These were these were they didn't make them up for the game. These yeah. were actual written songs from that time. So it was a lot of fun. But that's all the, the news we have of E three thus far. A Thank lot of God. <laughs> a lot of sequels. Well, and we're I, only two days in. Well, I guess technically. And I, I stripped so. this down, people. This yeah. is, so if you were interested, I'm glad you got that. If you weren't interested, uh, I we're, was we're ter- moving on now. I was terrified there was eight pages of E3. He removed the wheat from the chaff on this one. Oh, dude. Ah. You, yeah, this one large no paragraph. Idea. <laughs> I, I spent a good portion of tonight whittling this down. Whitlin. Mm. Whitlin. Whitlin. All right, let's uh, get the sad news out of the way. Uh, Eunice Gason who created a empire of iconic roles when she inhabited the first ever Bond girl, Sylvia Trench, in the 1962 James Bond film Dr. No, right. died Friday at uh-huh. the age of 90. I missed that. Uh, it was she to whom Bond first said his character's most infamous line, Bond, James, James Bond. Bond. And Bond superfans might already know that he said it, in fact, in response to her character introducing herself with Trench, Sylvia Trench. And he basically mimicked her and became a thing. She reprised her role in 1963's From Russia With Love and was originally intended to be a reoccurring character in all the Sean Connery Bond films, but Goldfinger's director Guy Hamilton nixed the idea in 1964. Gason went on to star in such films as Hammer Horror's The Revenge of Frankenstein, and to carve out a spy genre niche with roles on TV shows such as The Avengers, The Saint, and Secret Agent. Also, actor Jerry Marin, who was the oldest surviving member of The Wizard of Oz's musical Lollipop Guild. Which we were talking about, Jerry McKay was talking about him recently. Yeah, wasn't it? That was a different one, I think. It was a different one? Different guy. Oh, yeah. okay. He died last week at age 98. Marin's best-known performance is his scene with Judy Garland, where the then 18-year-old, along with his fellow wise guys, faced Munchkins, welcomed Dorothy to Oz with the Lollipop Guild. Mm. So, two two iconic pieces right there. Right. All right. All right. Now this is the big news of the week. This this is this is the the. Let's go. It's recording. There we go. This is the big news of (laughs) this is the dick breaker. All right. What? After his boss, Diane Nelson, exited last week as DC Entertainment's president, Jeff Johns is leaving his post as chief creative officer and president and entering into an exclusive deal with Warner Brothers and DC. Within the same DC Entertainment press release, we're learning that DC co-publisher and superstar comics creator Jim Lee is moving into Johns' old job. With an eye on creating films, television, and comic books for current DC properties, as well as new and reimagined IP, Johns is launching Mad Ghost Productions. So that's going to be Jeff Johns' new production company. Meanwhile, Lee will take over Johns' old role, while remaining as DC's co-editor, the responsibility he has shared with Dan Didio since 2010. All right. So Johns is out. Lee is in. And John is just creating, uh, just working on... Uh, film entertainment properties and TV yeah. entertainment properties now. So it's like it's like Johns is out, but not all the way out. Just kind of shifted into a different. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's out of comics altogether. Yeah, yeah but he's, he's he's yeah. That's what I meant. He's like he's he's just shifted more into the entertainment side. Right. Uh, well, he's not doing DC stuff though. Strictly, is he's doing he's doing other projects. Warner yeah. Brothers, but right. But I mean, he's not doing Warner's owns DC. 
Right, but it doesn't like he's, he's. It doesn't sound from that. He's yeah, doing he's, comics. He's basically in charge of the DC movies. Oh, he is. Okay, then I'm sorry. But it. he also has his own production company to do his own things as that's, well. That's what I heard. That's I heard. the yeah. new part. Yeah, because he's he was. I, I was talking to uh, Torgo earlier. Johns was very instrumental in the development of the DC television series. So uh. Arrow. Flash, etc. So he was a big part of that with the, uh, you know, the different that with Berlanti and Berlanti verse, mm. yeah, the Berlanti verse. So, uh, in fact, I remember. Um, uh, oh God! I don't think you remember it at all. Yeah. <laughs> I remember when uh, um, the guy that played Malcolm Merlin, whose name is escaping me right now, also, uh, yeah, John Barrowman was talking about uh, when he was thinking of accepting the role, saying that he was he was not as familiar with the DC universe as he was with the Marvel universe. He got himself a DC Bible and was studying a lot of that stuff. He actually had a conversation with Jeff Johns about, it's uh, like, I'm not really sure. I'm just, you know, it's like, I, I'm not sure I know how to inhabit this character based on what he read. He's like, well... Elements of that are going to be in there. This is going to be a different take on the character. And he said it was Jeff Johns that really convinced him to go ahead and take the role. So uh, that's very interesting because a lot of the early reports were... And, and now, not to take anything away from Berlanti, Berlanti's had his hands all over this thing from the very beginning. But people don't really realize, apparently, that how much Jeff Johns was involved in the early days of Arrow and then... And Berlanti From just uh, the Flash re-upped his exclusive deal. Yes, mm. so yes, he he's did. He's going to be doing this for a good while yeah. longer. All right. So I didn't shit on any of that stuff, and I'm going to jump back to DC Bible. Mm-hmm. I just love the concept. There's oh, there's yes. a, there's a whole fucking run of humor there. Yeah, uh, yeah, I yeah. We uh, we're gonna we're gonna get hold of some some improv people and just work on some DC Bible great. stuff. Marvel yeah. has Hercules. DC has Samson. Mm-hmm. There you go. Okay, looks so confused. In the next story, Jeff Johns, former president and chief creative officer of DC Entertainment. <laughs> hey, I heard of him. Will write and produce the Green Lantern Corps film for Warner Brothers and DC Films. Wow. Oh, good thing he got out of that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> the film will be based on John's New York Times bestselling series that ran for nine years and spawned additional spinoff titles and comic book events. Green Lantern Corps will be the first film project to be produced under John's new production company, Mad Ghost Productions. And part of a new exclusive writer-producer deal, John has signed on with Warner Brothers and I've, DC Entertainment. I've heard of this Mad Ghost Productions. Right? Yeah. To create content across multiple divisions of the studio, films, television, and comic books based on current DC properties, as well as new and reimagined IP. Multiple divisions is an oxymoron. Uh, John has been, you're just here to police it completely. I am. I'm just a jerk. (laughs) Yeah, there you are. John has also been pretty prolific writing and producing for the big and small screen. He co-wrote Aquaman, which hits theaters December 21st. He is writing the Wonder Woman sequel, opening November 2019. Shazam, slated for April 2019 release, is based on his original graphic novel, for television, John's co-developed, wrote, and is executive producing the first original series for the upcoming DC Universe digital service, Titans, with Akiva Goldsman and Greg Berlanti. He's also co-developed DCD's, CD's, CW's, 
The Flash and help launch such shows as Arrow, Gotham, iZombie, Supergirl, and Black Lightning. Mm. So that's where John's is right now. Yeah. Too bad he's such a lazy fuck and doesn't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> And apparently, the Lantern Corps is going to have both uh, Hal Jordan and uh, uh, what's Guy Gardner? Guy Gardner no, or John Stewart. John Stewart. John Stewart. Uh, so I like and David I liked Letterman. The John Stewart uh, Green Lantern. I liked his story. The animated. Lines. Yeah. The animated series. Is yeah. Just fucking amazing. I was really sad when they shortened that because it, it it felt like they could have gone on. For several more years, I don't with understand. That. I still don't know what the uh, fuck happened. Apparently, it was something with Cartoon Network, who is also owned by Warner Brothers, and the DC Studios. They just basically decided to end it for some unknown reason. I don't. I've never heard a you know a definitive. This is why it stopped, yeah. but it was kind of like a mutual agreement to stop making them. That was weird. Was if anybody out there knows something that we don't, please let us know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, you, know, yeah. you know what's going on. You know. Out there. In internets. Out there land. You janitors pulling the trash and getting the old scripts out. Somebody get a hold you know, of Latino Review. All right. I, I doubt it would happen, but I would love to see a Ryan Reynolds cameo in Green Lantern Corps. Just wow. as, as kind of a... Uh, yeah, that'd be all right. Yeah. That would be all right. It doesn't even, doesn't even have to be Hal Jordan. Could just be in there and like, oh man, I really want an outfit like that. Something silly like that. Like when the first time you see him fly across the screen. Yeah. Hang <laughs> behind this. Just have him fly by and go, worst outfit ever. <laughs> uh, this next uh, story is absolutely tragic news. This news fucked me up this last week. Dude, you're making it hard for me to get some video. All right, carry yeah. on with your sad news. And that's my, you know what? You, you make my life hard. I'm going to make your life goddamn hard. <laughs> there you go. Go for it. Um, Sorry I made you hard. Uh, Brian Keene. Oh. Absolute favorite horror authors currently running. I, I love his work. Uh, he ran into some heavy tragedy this week. Uh, author Brian Keene was severely burned in an accident last Tuesday, June 5th suffering first and second degree burns to his head and face and second bordering on third degree burns to his left arm. Yeesh. He has spent the last week in Lee Valley burn unit where a new type of temporary artificial skin called Superthel was grafted to his wounds. He is now home and being cared for, but faces a long, difficult and challenging recovery. Currently he is suffering an incredible amount of pain and is unable to type except for one finger. Grim news for someone who makes their living as a writer. He is hopefully, uh, hopefully he will be at least able to return doing his podcast soon. Uh, like most freelancers, uh, Brian does not have health insurance. Medical bills for the ER, transportation, burn unit care, and rehabilitation are estimated to run $250,000 or more. There will be uh, loss of income for both Brian and his uh, girlfriend, Mary, who is also a writer and a very good one, Mary San Giovanni, as they face challenges ahead. Author Stephen Kozanowski, the executor of Brian's Literary State, has established a GoFundMe to help Brian and Mary with the staggering and terrifying costs. Uh, Brian wants you all to know he appreciates the outpouring of support from his fans and fellow professionals in the community. Uh, while his written communications right now are limited to one finger, he is reading all your tweets and messages. He is in good spirits, and his, it, neither his sense of humor or stubborn determination have waned. 
Okay. He promises, I will rise again, unquote. E- executor of his estate implies that he's executor expects of his to literary, die. literary estate. It still sounds like he expects to die. It's a different he, setup he, with He authors. got on the phone to Kazanowski uh, before he even got to the hospital because he wasn't sure if he was going to make it. And he wanted to make sure that everything was moving to cover so his in- to cover his funeral costs. Wow, uh, that's where this started, and now it's basically a burned fund to wow help recover him. He's, He's also the head, uh, one of the chairman of a charity called Scares That Care, mm-hmm. and Scares That Care. Uh, what they do is they adopt uh, three families a year, and one of them is usually a burn victim. All right, and take care of Yikes. their costs. I, I, I'm, I'm going to be the jerk who asks. So do they say how he got burned? Yes, uh, he was uh, helping his brush, ex, right? he was helping his ex-wife. They that that home that she lives in is uh, prone to f- horrible flooding, and it flooded twice the Latin the last week. Mm-hmm. And in fact, he uh, wrote a story called Scratch based on the flooding this home was mm-hmm. was hit with uh, in the past. Uh, so he was helping them clear the brush. He had it piled up about eight feet. Uh, used gasoline as an accelerant. Um, uh, had his <laughs> had his kid go go in the house, get him something to drink. Uh, lit it up. Apparently, there was some gas on his uh, arm of his shirt, mm-hmm. and so when it lit up and the wind shifted, it blew onto him and caught his arm and uh, head on fire. Well, Oof, even it, it, just with the nature of gasoline, even if the liquid portion of the gasoline didn't get on his shirt, if he's wearing a porous material, right. like say like a like a flannel shirt. It'll absorb those fumes, fumes, yep. and those fumes ignite worse like, than the ridic- gut. Exactly, gas, yeah. exactly. And you know, it's amazing. I, growing up in the Midwest, so many stories about this kind of stuff. Especially people that would live out, you know, on farms on the you know central plains area, away from the cities. You know, people would go, you know, try to burn the excess brush garbage etc and same things happen you know wind shifts and yeah. suddenly i know um, some places it's actually illegal to yes. do that. a lot of places they, it is. They, is, is that like a municipal or county thing because no, I, I don't know there's 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 a lot especially <laughs> I, like in kansas there's a lot of gray area like if you're on your own property and you have a certain amount of acreage you can do it but if you're closer to like a municipal area you're not allowed i mean it's i it's doubt it's weird. legal anywhere in california for instance oh yeah i'm, I'm i can almost guarantee yeah. it isn't um he's actually very fortunate um, oh, i was yes. reading a lot of that because his survival rate on this is much higher if he'd have had extensive third degree burns mm. he probably would be dead right now yeah no. uh, first and second he's he's going to come back for them i mean it's going to be painful and it's going to yeah. be a long recovery but He's he's actually very lucky, just based on what I read about the, yeah. the um, his burn situation. Burns so. are painful, man. Yes, they are. I, I had a second degree burn, like the size of a quarter, on my shoulder from sunburn. Oh wow! Yeah, I am. And, and that was just yeah, it was this awful for a long time. I had a really bad third degree burn on my ankle. Like I'm, third, like, wow! What you yeah, do? There was, was this, this when you were blowing up cars? No, <laughs> God, no. <laughs> um, we used to have this uh, this system called a hot wash at McDonald's when uh. I was, when I was uh, a manager. And this thing, it's high-pressure water, so it's above boiling. Yeah, yeah. But since it's under pressure, it doesn't, you know, it just gives you a lot of 
high pressure hot water and steam when you're cleaning with mm-hmm. it. Well, we were shutting the thing down, disconnecting it. Um, uh, a f- fellow manager was having some difficulty disconnecting one of these hoses. And I told her, I said, now you've already turned this off and relieved the pressure, right? She's like, yeah, yeah. I already squeezed the thing, let the pressure out. And I'm like, all right. Part of my brain says double check everything. So sure. I checked in and I made sure the machine was turned off. I'm like, okay. And then I remember touching the thing and feeling, okay, it's not hot, so it should be good. She said she pulled the handle, released the pressure. Well, I clicked this little, uh, it's got one of those little uh, sleeve. I remember just pushing it back and seeing steam come out, and I jumped back. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise, it would have been like all down my face and my chest. Mm -hmm. I jumped back. I thought I was fully out of the way, but a stream of water hit my my right ankle. And And you had third-degree burns from water. Yeah. Yikes. Well, I mean, this oh, thing is above boiling. I mean, yeah, it no, literally, yeah. through through my shoe and my sock, it stripped the skin right off. Uh, about the size of, I don't know, four half dollars. Wow. Nice. That's a lot. It is. It is 16 of your pretty quarters. And, this, and then it's actually eight. this guy has it over how much? Like He's got all, all over his, uh, almost the entirety of his left arm mm-hmm. and uh, over the, say, his head and part of his face. Oh, God, man. Yeah. Yeah, hang in there, buddy. Yeah. It it took me weeks to recover from my third degree. So, and I, that was only on one spot. I remember that that ankle swelled up mm. really bad. I I couldn't really walk for about a week. Yeah. So yeah. Um, good luck on his recovery. All right. Now I've already donated to his GoFundMe, and and if you can, please do. But there's a thing I'd like to do in conjunction with the show. I would like to buy and send five of our listeners a Brian Keene book. Oh. This is what I want you to do. Write comments at uglycouchshow.com. In the, uh, the header, put help Brian Keene. Of everyone that emails me, I will choose five of you, and I will Amazon ship you a Brian Keene book, whether it's The Rising, Earthworm Gods, or the myriad of other books that he has written, Darkness at the Edge of Town, uglycouchshow.com. Right, help Brian Keene, and I will choose five of you, and I will buy a book on Amazon because he does own the rights to his own novels now. Ah, so he does get the money for that. So that's the way you can get a Brian Keene book and and see what this guy is all about, and uh, we can also help him in his recovery. So write in. All right, enough of the sad, depressing news. Yeah, please come yeah, on, man. Here's a yeah. video. All right. How about this one? Brand new Looney Tune shorts are arriving in 2019 from Warner Brothers Animation. Huh. Each season will involve 1,000 minutes of Looney Tunes mayhem, which is to be distributed on a variety of platforms, from digital to mobile to broadcast. Quote, the Looney Tunes are one of the most beloved group of animated characters in the world, said Sam Register, president of Warner Brothers Animation and Warner Digital Series. Looney Tunes cartoon places these characters in the hands of some of the best artists in the business and into an animated shorts format that will remind many of the time when they first fell in love with Bugs, Daffy, Porky, and the rest of the gang. Uh, The upcoming shorts will range between one and six minutes long, with their cartoonists allowed a good deal of creative control. The 1968 short titled See You Later, Gladiator, was the last Mary Melody's cartoon to feature any classic Looney Tunes characters, Daffy and Speedy Gonzalez. Many fans consider it to be one of the worst ever produced by Warner Brothers Studios. (laughs) So Looney Tunes shorts are coming back for 
first time in ages. Didn't they do? Okay, I guess the Duck Dodgers stuff was all high, like twenty minute show. Duck Dodgers in the twenty first half, yeah. half century. Did they have like a its own standalone cartoon? I think they after, did. I think like they, in the nineties or something. Yeah, I think they. I think they did like a twenty minute special. I, I remember or, like in the seventies or eighties. Was it a twenty minute like special, some, or did they just combine all those original Looney Tunes together? Special. Yeah, they they did like in the seventies and eighties. They did like these combinations for a quote unquote new storyline, but they would take older, already established clips and then. A couple of minutes of newly animated just stuff. Just pat it out, I guess. Because you could definitely tell the difference in, you know, a youthful Mel Blanc versus, you know, Mel Blanc in his later years of the voices he was doing. So. Or a son bellowing on a yeah, well, wharf that in here. One that came out based on Fantasy Island. And so I remember it, that. it was all the Looney Tune characters coming to Fantasy Island, and then their fantasies would be flashbacks to old. Cartoons, ah, yes. perfect, and and yes. only the old cartoons was any good because all the sure. wraparound shit was exactly that. It was shit. Yeah, hmm. yeah. I'm glad they're not doing that anymore. Yeah, it's that that sweet spot in between them reworking the crap and the early stuff with the overt racism. You got to find that spot. <laughs> yeah, you got to find it. It's in there. Yeah. J.J. Abrams is producing a movie for Paramount Pictures called The Heavy which is described as a, quote, subversive take on the superhero genre, unquote. The series, uh, oh, sorry, the script is by Daniel Casey, although the details are shrouded in mystery at the moment because that's how Bad Robot works. Abrams is interested in having Australian filmmaker Julius Avery, who's also behind the camera on Bad Robot's Overlord, uh, direct the film. Overlord's the supernatural thriller set during World War II that involves Nazis and monsters, but is not a Cloverfield-related movie, apparently. And that's due out October 26th. And it's apparently picked up some good buzz at the uh, CinemaCon from Las Vegas about a month ago. So the heavy J.J. Abrams subversive take on superheroes. I don't know. I like J.J. Abrams, but subversive is not the word I think of with J.J. Abrams. No? No. All right. I, I, all of his movies seem to be in that uh, happier Spielbergy world mm-hmm. of, of of direction. Even well. even his his darker <laughs> stuff is is what I'd call subversive. I was gonna say there's a reason for that. I mean Spielberg is his major influence. Oh sure, I, and, and I'm not decrying yeah, it. Yeah. I, I love his work. And now that they've worked together, you know, <laughs> but not subversive. Yeah, no, no I, uh, I I'll He's be no Cronenberg. Yeah, I was gonna say I'd be interested to see what his version of quote-unquote subversive is. Universal Studios Hollywood has announced plans to debut an all-new Jurassic World ride in 2019. Universal has launched a Countdown to Extinction campaign inviting guests to experience the old ride before it closes on September 3rd, 2018, so the theme park can use the space to build its latest incarnation. In its place will rise what Universal promises to be a reimagined dinosaur adventure combining elements of the old ride with the 21st century effects with new color schemes, lush scenic design, and, hey, dra- dinosaurs from Jurassic World. So, so, so ride it wild while you can. Sam Neill out, Chris Pratt in. That's right. Yeah. Mark Miller, the creator of the comics behind the Kingsman movies, confirmed that two additional Kingsman films are in the works. Dang. Well, that's cool. He added that one of the scripts for the potential films almost finished, and that Jane Goldman, the co-writer of both the previous Kingman films, is working with director Matthew Vaughn on them. When asked whether uh, Elton John might return, 
Uh, Miller said they didn't want to ever come close to repeating themselves. He also joked that the heightened Kingsman version of Elton John deserves its own film. Oh, wow. And that, quote, whatever James Bond is doing, we try to do the opposite, unquote. So if you like the Kingsman films, there are more heading your way. I do. And I'm going to do this last story, and then we're going to do some red light, green light. Yes! All righty then. All right. So this one, though, this, this one warms the cockles of my heart. Oh, oh well, right. you can see your cockles warm. are all warm. They are very warm right now. It is warm in here. It is. It is. Right, Jeff? You guys are crazy. <laughs> so, Je- yeah, I do. Jeff is a swamp creature. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, I'm I just, guess he isn't I'm just, I'm just more svelte than you guys. Spoken like a swamp creature. Svelte. <laughs> I've never heard the description of Jeff as svelte. You, did you miss the whole, the whole Midwest, 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 Midwest svelte thing from, you know, like 10 episodes back? <laughs> yes. I did. It was the title. <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> <laughs> the Monroeville Mall in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, made good on its classic film location. A large bronze bust of indie horror director George A. Romero was installed in the very shopping center that served as the location for much of his birth of the modern zombie classic, 1978's Dawn of the Dead. No one combined horror, comedy, and social satire quite like Romero, and to this day, nothing compares to the triple threat of those notes evoked by his images of the undead riding escalators and lumbering past craft stores and center courts and hunting gear outlets for reasons both clear and unnerving. For decades, the mall bore no marker that had ever been home to one of the most iconic films ever, and three years ago, the last piece of mall decor from the film, still visible in the shopping center, a small footbridge, was removed whole and sent to a museum for preservation. Hmm. But local sculptor and filmmaker Christian Stavrakis was not willing to let Romero's contributions to indie film and local filmmakers go unnoticed. Because he, Romero was from Pittsburgh. He did all of his films in Pittsburgh, if you right. could. As a child, Stavrakis was exposed to Romero's low-budget can-do spirit and creativity by his older brother, who worked with Tom Savini making special effects and makeup for Dawn of the Dead and other Romero projects. Quote, I hope this monument to George becomes a spot of inspiration for independent filmmakers and for artists in general, he says. If there's something you want to create, just do it. Nothing is stopping you but you. Hopefully people will come and see this bust and say, I can achieve that. If they want to make a movie or make a painting, whatever. I hope it will be a focal point for that kind of creativity, unquote. Last month, Stavrakis launched an Indiegogo campaign to fund the creation of the large bronze bust to Romero to be installed for permanent display at the world's first zombie mall. All right. Red light, green light time, gentlemen. I always know it's time for red light, green light when we got, I get to about three pages worth of these damn things. <laughs> <laughs> And there hasn't been a whole lot, so I've just been collecting these over time. And i got to use them up before they actually become shows. <laughs> right. Right. Have you cleared these through? Have you checked these through, or are we going to end up with like uh, No you know, promises. They're making a new flash. <laughs> no promises. All right, gentlemen. Red light, green light. Here's Herp. the pitch. <clears throat> Netflix has given a 10-episode order to V Wars, a new drama-based... <laughs> <laughs> so many ways you could go with that. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, God. A new drama based on the series of books by the same name, edited by Jonathan Mayberry, who's behind the Rotten Ruin and Dead and Night series, and published by IDW. The book series debuted in 2012 as a volume of prose stories documenting the first vampire war, featuring mm. everything from tales of the plague's patient zero to vampire terrorist cells. Three more volumes of prose have followed, along with an IDW comic book series co-created by Mayberry. William Lauren and Glenn Davis, creators of the Canadian crime drama 1-800-MISSING, will serve as showrunners for the series. Ian Solmerhalder will best best known for his role as Boone Carlyle on Lost and his eight seasons as Damon Salvador in CW series The Vampire Diaries will star in V Wars as Dr. Luther Swan. He's not a vampire, he's not typecast as a vampire. I'm guessing not. I think okay. he wants, wants doesn't want to end with that. Branch out. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Branch out. As a hunter, I guess. Swan enters what will become the vampire war when a disease begins to infect his best friend, Michael Fane. The mysterious illness transforms Michael and begins to spread, splitting society up into factions as uninfected people begin to fight back against the new vampire threat. As Michael rises to become a leader among the creatures, Dr. Swan fights to understand the disease that claimed his friend. Red light, green light, gentlemen, V-Wars. Red light. I'm actually going to give it a green light. All right. Uh, so, so why did you red light it, Jeff? Didn't sound that interesting, and I'm also kind of past the whole vampire and zombie thing. You're right still now. vampired out. Yeah. All right. And why did you greenlight it? Uh, I like the idea of following it from the beginning. I like the idea of seeing how it develops as opposed to start starting in the middle, which is where pretty much all these things. There, this I don't think there's been a ton of origin stories of that kind of plague stuff. It's whole it, World it's, War Zenus about it. Yeah, exactly. The World War Zenus of it. it kind of feels exactly. like a rehash of that underworld, you know. Uh, without I'm, without the the lichens involved, it's just I, that whole. I, I, knowing what I know about Mayberry, I'm going to say it's very prob. It's probably not like Underworld. Probably not. <laughs> yeah, I'll say green light. Still going to red light it. All right. <laughs> Let's bring vampires back. It's time, I think. Let's make vampires make great again. God damn it. Was <laughs> <laughs> the one time Andy's mumbles don't get the better of him when I'm <laughs> trying to say something. <laughs> Sorry, say something. <laughs> All right. Wow, okay. That's red light, green light, gentlemen. I will say something. All right. Universal Cable Productions has just announced it's adapting Warren Ellis's recent comic book series, Injection, for television. Published in 2015, Injection is a sci-fi horror series following five eccentric geniuses brought together by the British government to combine their specialized areas of study to postulate the futures of human culture. Upon seeing the results, the group creates an unusual artificial intelligence mixing technology with shamanistic magic that makes its way into society, and it's up to them to stop it from poisoning the world. Injection. Hmm. Greenlight. It's Warren Ellis. There yeah, is the Warren Ellisness about that's, it. That's that's that was like that was kind of the deciding factor for me because I'm like I'm not sure about the the pitch itself, but if Warren Ellis is behind it, yeah, I, I'm leaning more towards green. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. It could be could be really good. So. Sounds like a wishy washy green all around. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 Lime green. green. Yeah. For anybody else, it'd be a red light. <laughs> wishy washy green is my Kermit the Frog cover band. All right, red light, green light, guys. Netflix is developing an animated show based on the incredibly successful Fast and Furious franchise. 
Red, Red light. light. <laughs> I haven't gotten to the pitch yet. <laughs> The project is part of Netflix partnership with DreamWorks Animation Television, which produces several children's shows for the streaming titan, like uh, Dragons, Troll Hunters, Dawn of the Croods, The Adventures of Puss in Boots, Voltron, Legendary Defender, and more. Tony Toretto, teenage cousin of Dominic, that's Vin Diesel, will, be the, fo- light. <laughs> will be the focus of the animated series as he's recruited by a government agency to infiltrate a racing league that's actually a front for a criminal syndicate hell-bent on taking no. over the world. you got to stop this now, or the next thing we'll have is Fast and Furious Babies, and we nobody wants to see that. Because <laughs> how often do we get a decent cartoon based off of a movie where it's not the actual person, it's like a cousin or a brother? I'm looking you, Dukes of Hazard cartoon. Yeah. Oh, Bo and Coy Duke. Yeah. Actually, I'm kind of liking... Fast and Furious babies. I'm trying to like I remember little like big wheels or the the little trying to remember push cart things and just look up the Duke brothers. Tokyo drifting down the stairs. Tokyo drifting with their big wheels. Was it Koi and Vance? Koi for sure, because I that met was, That was the TV show when they replaced right. Bo and Luke, but the cartoon had had a whole different thing? had like two other cousins, if I remember correctly. No, nah, uh, I can't be right. I met Koi. I met the guy that played Koi. He was okay. He was okay. Yeah, he, was he was okay. He was so it couldn't be. Couldn't happen. He was pleasant. He was okay. He was pleasant. He's all right. Red light. Two into gummy bears. But he's okay. Red light. Red light. I had. I had a feeling okay, this wasn't yeah, going to make the it. The animated series, <laughs> The Dukes. Uh, here we go. Were they the Barons of Hazard? Okay, mm, I stand corrected. Yeah, the uh, yeah. The Dukes of Hazard cartoon did have Bo and Luke with. John Schneider and Tom Wopat as the voices. Really? Oh, they straight up... Uh, I, was in voice by Lorenzo I, Music? I Star- was going to say, I swear they had a completely different uh, voice cast for the cartoon. Oh, it's a Mandala effect. Yeah, wow. Like the entire what? the entire <laughs> cast is all from the TV series. Hm. Yeah, they straight up Star Trek the animated series of that shit. Even Sorrel Brooks? Yes. Wow. <laughs> I'm glad you were there. And it's <laughs> Sorrel <laughs> Book. B-O-O-K-E, not Brooks. Really? Yes. Again with the Mandela effect. Get your shit right. Oh, no, it's Mandela effect. Man. I oh. think it's dementia. <laughs> you would know better than the rest of us. There, wow. Kenny. I've been saying that one for years. He learned something today. I'm still red-lighting it. it it's, <laughs> you're not changing my mind. You red-lighted uh, the Dukes of Hazard animated series? That was already done a long time ago. Yeah, I know, right? All right, that I, of course it was going to red light, but that's happening. Well, come on, that's happening. It's so awful that's going to happen. Coming to Netflix near you. Although Bonzo would have greenlit it, <laughs> he probably would have greenlit it. Ugh. Red light, green light. Media Rights Capital has picked up the rights to Stephen King's latest novel, The Outsider, and plans to turn it into a ten-episode adaptation. MRC has hired noted novelist and screenwriter Richard Price, who uh, was a writer for The Wire to pen the show, while the executive producers are Jack Bender and Marty Bowen, who are also executive producers of Mr. Mercedes. Jack Bender? Another King adaptation that is about to head into its second season on Audience this August. Among his numerous directing credits are many episodes of Lost Under the Dome, also a King series, and Game of Thrones. The book itself has been garnering solid reviews since being published last month, with the AV Club calling it a supernatural no country for old men and an it for the Trump era, unquote. The story follows a man named Terry Maitland, 
an upstanding, esteemed member of his community, and a family man who is accused of an unspeakably horrific crime, the ghastly murder of an 11-year-old child. But even though Maitland's DNA and fingerprints are found at the scene, he also has an airtight alibi. He was seen by numerous witnesses at a conference at the exact same time the killing took place. So how could he be in two places at once? The Outsider, red light, green light. I'm somewhat intrigued. I'll green light it. I mean, it's Stephen King. It does help. It helps. I'll green light it. It's Stephen King, but one more, man. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Hey, we did talk about that at dinner. He got paid for that, and he was like, this isn't my book at all, but he got paid. Uh, A very mushy green on that. Mushy green? Mushy green. Like like, mushy peas green? Yeah, I mean, green light. I'm not going to watch about green light for somebody. (laughs) Green light for somebody. Yeah. That's all you need. Green light for somebody. I want to see Andy in that production meeting. I'm not going to watch this, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, you know, it's somebody has to, some fat cat has to, you know, uh, green light the, the latest teeny bopper pop hit. Who, he's never going to listen to the damn thing, but, you know, he knows it's for that audience. He just watches the music videos. It was like that great thing from Frank Zappa. Yeah. All right, this next one is wait, kind of... Wait, what great thing from Frank Zappa? Uh, he, he he did an interview, and he was talking about in the, the late 50s and 60s, it was the old school sh- cigar oh, chomping. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Regular execs who didn't get the new music approving it, like, oh, all right, fuck it. D- do it, and let's throw it out there and see what happens. And And he said it was when the newer generation came in that they began to get scared and started doing things like, oh, we can't take a risk on that. We can't take a chance on that. That's that. You know, that's not safe. Or yeah, they were hiring. They were hiring the 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 younger sect to like that were in like uh, janitorial positions and so on. And started asking their position, their opinions on things, and starting taking it. Those people started rising up the ranks, taking their position, and they thought they knew what was cool. So they weren't taking chances on new stuff because they already knew what was good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At so, least what they thought was good. So the message about about being unsure and not quite understanding but going for it anyway. It was really that was I never knew that. I never knew that till I saw that video clip. And that was really, really interesting. Yeah. It reinforces my point. It's green, but I'm not watching it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This next one's a three parter. Okay. And I'll explain why. Three times the pain. Robert Kirkman's Skybound Entertainment is developing two new series at Amazon as a part of an overall production deal that Kirkman signed with the streaming in Colossal Retail Colossus. A deadline reports that both are based on graphic novels by acclaimed comics writer Jonathan Hickman, both produced by Image Comics. So here is the first one from Kirkman's Skybound Entertainment for Netflix. Oh, sorry, for Amazon. East of West is set in an alternative America where the Civil War never ended and the country is divided into seven different nations. A comet impact and a series of prophecies brings forth the four horsemen of the apocalypse who are determined to bring about the end of times. (laughs) That's a lot. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Unpack that luggage. East of West. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, green yeah, light. Green light. Huh? Yeah, green light. Who knows if it's gonna work? Throw it out there. See what happens. Throw it against the wall. See if it sticks. Yeah, 
All right, their other series is Transhuman, which is set in the near future and focuses on a divorced couple who run rival major corporations that provide human beings with the ability to enhance themselves via genetics and robotics. Transhuman ran for four issues back in 2008. And uh, that's all I got for Transhuman. Green light. I like the concept. Sure. I'm not so sure, but I'll give it a green light. All right. Uh, Kirkman will executive produce both shows along with Hickman. East of West artist Nick Dragona and transhuman artist J.M. Ringuet will also produce. Uh, Kirkman, of course, is the creator of the Walking Dead comic, which he still writes, and executive producer of the AMC TV series and its spinoff, Fear the Walking Dead. His Skybound banner is now developing shows to launch on Amazon Prime streaming service with Transhuman and East of West, the first to be unveiled. All right, one more. One more. That's all? One more. Uno mas. Uno mas. Red light, green light. Image Comics' Deadly Class is coming to sci-fi. We've already done this one. Deadly Class? I swear we have. That sounds familiar. Assassins or something? What? No, it's like a school for... Yeah, we've definitely done this one, haven't we? Yeah, maybe we did. Carry on. All right, go on. Let's hear it. Yeah, I'm going to go to the next one. All right. Now, red light, green light. Netflix has ordered 10 episodes of The Order. It's a horror drama from the developers of Van Helsing from the Sci-Fi Channel. A college freshman joins a secret society and finds out that there's a lot more to his world than meets the eye, including a werewolf war. Take the Underworld movies and add a heaping of Riverdale on top of it because there's school days drama and romance. (laughs) (laughs) The Dark Magical series comes from Dennis Heaton and Shelly Shelly Erickson and will feature Matt Frewer, Sam Trammell, and Max Martini in supporting roles. Oh, I like that. Right? So The Order for Netflix. Buffy the Werewolf Slayer? Red light. Yeah, you had me at Werewolf War and then lost me with, <laughs> with Riverdale. Riverdale, Riverdale yeah. <laughs> I haven't watched Riverdale yet either, although I've heard it's good, but... Uh, yeah. It's very popular with a specific age range. Uh, it's back to that. I'm not watching a thing. Okay. Yes. That, that's a uh, high school melodrama, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Oh, how is it, Torgon? Uh, I got I to get out on that. Yeah. We'll find out soon. Fuck Kroll. I'm watching Riverdale. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm going to red light that sucker. <laughs> red light it. I, uh, uh, yeah, I right, guess right, red, red, All right. red light. I'm still trying to wrap my head about around a werewolf war i like werewolf war it's, it's i'm gonna hard green, to i'm gonna green light it for the werewolf war okay okay all right you notice that we've had a a, a a vampire war and a werewolf war in the same red light green <sighs> yes we they should do a movie of a war between vampires and werewolves what but but not above ground it should be under under DM geek shot under the <laughs> under the world we'll call it under the world under the world yes yeah, yeah but for it to really work, it needs like a Romeo and Juliet spin. Oh, okay. That's yeah. a good idea. And you need to have like a really hot vampire he, in the lead role. He, he With leather, right? Lots of leather? In, in, ooh, in leather. I yeah. hadn't thought about that. Okay. Yeah. You, you can't call them werewolves, though, because that's, that's kind of rote. Right. So, so call them Let's like, call them fungus. Let, no, yes. wait. No, 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 no. That's not right. 
Uh, I'm not liking that. Hey, no. hey, hey. I think what? you got what? something here. What? Yeah, lycanthrope. That's yeah, perfect. perfect. Let's call them yeah. lycanthropes. Because then you could make it any creature they can turn into, not just wolves. Ah, see? Mm. What's your werewolf? Write to us. Comments at uglycowshow.com. <laughs> and of course, if you write and put Help Brian Keene on there, you'll be put into the drawing of five people to receive a Brian Keene book that I'll ship to you through Amazon. And until next week, I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Commander K. Crack Jack. Oh! You are fuzzy enough. That that, that would work. <laughs> if you if you were going to be any of the monsters, that's that's what you would be. I'm your private werewolf. My werewolf for money? Yes. <laughs> we'll talk to you next God. week in Geek. The fire plug that was bitten by a rabid wolf. <laughs> <laughs> At least we hope it was bitten. It's so fuzzy. Yeah. The fuzzy fire plug. It's so fuzzy I'm going to die. That's the worst children's book. <laughs> <laughs> fire plug. Oh. Yikes. <laughs> <laughs>